When I, uh, when I first met him, Travis was a Las Vegas pimp. Uh, he was kind of new to it, but he had almost immediately gotten a bunch of girls to work for him. When I first met Warren, he was a hardcore atheist. He hated the idea of God. He hated anyone who believed in God. Uh, Warren's job is as a fire-breathing evil clown in a horror show in Las Vegas. That's Warren. Uh, Warren, literally, he, his job in life is to scare and intimidate people for a living. That's him doing his job. So here's how I met Warren. Uh, Warren heard about a church that was starting in Las Vegas, and he was offended at the idea of a new church starting in his city and decided that maybe he could kill the church before it got off the ground. His, uh, his plan was that he would show up for one of the first services. He would sit right in the middle. And when the pastor got up to start the sermon, he would stand up. He would curse them out. He might throw some things, punch some people. And, and he thought if he made it bad enough, if, if he made it disgusting enough, maybe no one would come back, church wouldn't make it, and he could brag for the rest of his life that he had killed a church. Great plan, except I was the preacher. <laughs> uh, hey guys, I am Vince Antonucci. It is so cool. It's such an honor to be back here. I was here from like 1995 to 1997, and um, it was just life shaping years for me. My, we, my wife and I were newlyweds, and then we were sent down to Virginia Beach where we started a church. Uh, I'm just so honored and grateful for the time I had here and, and what it did in our lives and for you all. And um, We were in Virginia Beach for 12 years, and then we moved to Las Vegas, started another church where we have been for the last almost 15 years. And being a pastor, uh, being a church planter is uh, not at all what I expected from my life. Uh, my mother is Jewish. My father was a professional poker player and con man who ended up on America's Most Wanted. So I've got that going for me. Any, anybody else? Any of your dads? No? The way I found out my father was on America's Most Wanted, it was about a month before I was moving here. I'd already been hired to, to come and move here to work at New Life. And I got a call, I think it was on Saturday night, and it was Brett Andrews, and he said, are you watching America's Most Wanted? I said, no, I've never watched America's Most Wanted. He said, uh, you might want to turn it on. I'm, I'm pretty sure your dad's on it. And I said, do I still have a job? <laughs> like, that wasn't on my resume. Does that matter? I don't know. Um, so my mother's Jewish dad's that. Uh, you might guess they probably didn't take you to church a whole lot. Uh, actually, I never went to church one single time growing up. Uh, not only that, I never had anyone invite me to church, never uh, had anyone mention Jesus. So like growing up, I literally knew nothing about God, Jesus, or Christianity. Um, when I was 20 years old, it was the Easter morning of my sophomore year of college. I was waiting for my girlfriend. We were going out to lunch. She was late as usual. And so I turned on the TV in my dorm room and we, we only had three channels. We didn't have cable TV. And so I flipped through the three channels and every channel had on what I consider to be a dumb religious show. Uh, and so I would have turned the TV off, but I left it on because the last one looked potentially comical, I guess. It was this old, old guy, and he was sitting like this in a red leather overstuffed chair. 
And I'm like, what is this guy? And, and then he started talking and he said, now, we've been discussing the last week of Jesus Christ's life. And today we're going to talk about and then he named something, I don't remember what it was, it went right over my head, something from Jesus' life. And he said, now, most scholars believe that this event happened on the Tuesday of Jesus last week. But today, I will prove to you, through the evidence, that it actually occurred on the Wednesday of Jesus last week. First thing I ever heard about Jesus. And I thought about that for a minute. And I was like, yes, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, I don't, I don't know if Jesus even lived. I don't even know if it's real. But if he lived, like you're talking Tuesday or Wednesday, turn off the TV and discuss, knock on the door, went out to brunch with my, my girlfriend. And for the rest of the day, for some reason, I could not get that guy out of, out of my mind. I just kept all these questions like, why did he care if it was Tuesday or Wednesday? Uh, what, what kind of evidence would there be for something from 2,000 years ago? Uh, did anyone ever get him out of that chair? Like, is he, is he stuck? <laughs> Somebody should help him. Uh, and so that night I was sitting in my girlfriend's dorm room. I looked up at her bookshelf and I realized that she had a Bible. I'd never noticed. And so I said, hey, why do you have a Bible? And she's like, oh, somebody gave that to me. And I said, can I borrow it? And she's like, you can have it. If you don't want it, throw it out. I, like, I, don't, I don't need it. Don't give it back. So like, okay. So I, I took this Bible back to my dorm room. Now, I had never, literally never touched a Bible before that moment. And um, I assumed it would be set up kind of like the TV guide by day and time because of the Tuesday-Wednesday <laughs> debate that was apparently tearing up Christianity. And, um, and so I opened it. It was actually a student Bible. I don't know if it literally says student Bible on the cover. And when you open it, instead of Genesis, it says reading plans. And so I start flipping through the reading plans. It says reading plan through uh, Abraham's life. And I'm like, Lincoln? Like literally, I, I, I literally. And Moses, I'm flipping through. Finally, I see reading plan through Jesus' life, and I'm like, I'll, I'll check that one out because, I mean, let's figure it out. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Let's do this. Like, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And, and so I turn, and I had never read a Bible, but I expected to read like a tall tale or a myth, you know, that it would start out once upon a time. There lived a man named Jesus who did nice things, and he could lasso tornadoes, and I'd be like, all right. And so I was stunned when I start reading, and over and over it says, at this time, in this place, Jesus did this thing. You know, Jesus went to this town, when this guy was a governor, and this guy was a tetrarch, and he did this thing. And I realized, man, there would be evidence. Like, not Tuesday or Wednesday, but you could go back and look at those times and places and find out if this really happened. And so I keep reading just out of curiosity. And I learned for the first time in my life that the Bible claimed that there was a God who loved me and who wanted to have a relationship with me and who had sent his son Jesus to live for me and die for me. And man, I couldn't believe that. Uh, but I, I knew, I realized, that, well, there will be evidence to find out if, this, if these events in this book really happened. And so I, I kept studying uh, just to find out if it was true or not, just, just out, of, out of curiosity. And, and um, I, I decided, man, if this is true, if I can prove this is true, I'm going to become a Christian. Um, and if not, then I'm going to spend the rest of my life making fun of Christians for believing in something that I can prove is false. 
I was a pre-law major. I did end up going to law school, and so I was into that kind of thing, and I spent months, I'm, I'm talking like six, eight hours a day, every single day, reading the Bible and going to the library and trying to find evidence to disprove it. And um, ultimately, what I discovered is the evidence for Jesus, which is overwhelming. And uh, it left no room for doubt. I knew it was true. But, but what was more overwhelming to me was God's heart for me that God loved me, that he sent Jesus for me, that Jesus' mission in coming to earth was to pursue me. So like, I'm sitting in my dorm room reading this book, and, and I read this story in Luke chapter 15. We'll put it on the screens. Jesus tells this story where he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Now, I, I just thought this story is so interesting. The shepherd has a hundred sheep. A hundred's a lot of anything, right? Like, is there anything you own a hundred of? That's a lot of something, right? I, I thought about it. I realized I have at least a hundred books. And if one of you came and stole one of my books... I would never notice because I got a hundred of them. What, what about how many uh, parents do we have? Parents? What if you had a hundred kids? <laughs> do you think you would notice if one of them just kind of wandered? You wouldn't, right? Not if you had a hundred, you'd be like, I don't know what happened, right? Uh, like, so my parents had two kids, me and my younger sister, Lisa. And when I think I was six years old, maybe, and she was four, this is mid seventies, uh, they took us to dinner and after dinner, they put us in the back seat of their car. Back then, there were no car seats for kids. We didn't use seat belts back then. And like, it was a different day, right? And so they get in the front, turn on the car. My dad pops in the old eight-track tape. Some of you can ask your parents on the way home. They'll explain. And, um, and knowing my parents, mid-70s, it was probably like Neil Diamond's greatest hits. And so music starts to fill a car. Hands. Touching hands. <laughs> reaching out, touching me, touching you. Do you guys want to sing? Sweet Caroline. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, so this is a true story. My dad shifts into drive, starts pulling out of the parking lot. What they didn't realize is that they hadn't shut my sister's door well. Her door opened up. She fell out of the car. The door quietly swung shut. My parents didn't notice, and I didn't say a word. <laughs> I just waved goodbye. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's true. We get on the road, we're driving down the road, when finally my dad's like, where's Lisa? And I'm like, man, he got so mad, slams on the brake, turn around the car, we drive back, there's Lisa laying, sobbing in the parking lot. She always was a crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> my parents had two kids and they couldn't keep track of us in a car. <laughs> in a car. The shepherd has a hundred sheep and immediately he realizes that one of them is missing. I'm, I'm reading, I'm like, that's weird. I also thought, I, I don't know anything about sheep, but aren't they easy to replace? Like if you one, one wanders away, you got 99, and then like spring baby sheep. You got more than 100. You're good, right? And, and I just thought a lot of sheep can be replaced, but not in Jesus' story. Not, not in the mind of this shepherd. 
And, and I realized that the reason is because Jesus wasn't really telling a story about a shepherd and a sheep. He, he was using this story as a, a metaphor, a parable, to tell the story of God and people. And, and in the, the story, the shepherd represents God, and I realized that the sheep was me. And that that's why a lost sheep can't be replaced. I, mean, I, I have two kids now, and if one of my two kids ever wandered off, I would not say to my wife, eh, we could make another one, right? Now it's your kid, right? We actually had this happen to us when our kids were, I think my son was five and my, my daughter was three. We went to Water Country, USA. Anyone ever been there up in Winsburg? Yeah. And so it's a big, big water park. But when your kids are five and three, you don't do anything cool. Um, you do the, the kiddie stuff. And so they have this series, a row of three big kiddie pools, like around the size of the chairs area, and um, with like slides in them and all kinds of fun things for the kids to do. And so we went to the first kiddie pool. My kids played in that one forever, and they loved it. It's like, all right, let's go see the other one. And so we went down about 40, 50 yards down the sidewalk, and they have to go down the stairs into the second kiddie pool. Kids love that one, playing in that one. Long time, finally, like, all right, let's go to the next one. So we go to the next one, and my kids loved it because it had this um, yellow slide, and it was like eight feet high, which is super high for them. And you had to climb a rope ladder to get to the top. And so my kids went up, 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 down, up, 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 down, up, up, over and over and over. And so finally, my wife was like, hey, I'm going to go stand under that mushroom shower umbrella thingy. I was like, all right, go ahead. So she walks off. My son goes up, 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 down, immediately goes, where's mom? Where am I going? I said, oh, she went under the mushroom shower umbrella thingy. And he said, can I go get her? I said, sure, go ahead. So he runs off. My daughter goes up, 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 down, up, up, like 15,000 times. The girl has no quit. And so finally I'm like, all right, all right, let's, let's go get mom and Dawson. So we walk over. My wife is standing under the mushroom shower umbrella thingy. And I said, hey. She said, hey. I said, where's Dawson? She said, he's with you. I said, no, I, I sent him over here like five minutes ago. And she said, I haven't seen him. You're going to think I'm weird. But my first thought was, He's been abducted. Like, I've seen this on TV. Water parks are the perfect place to take a kid. Like, I, that's pretty stupid. But that's what I thought. And I, then I was like, stop, stop. It's a, it's a kiddie pool. He's in the kiddie pool. He got distracted. And so I start looking around. There's a lot of kids. But I don't see him. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's here. Um, he's got light brown hair. Look for a kid with light brown hair. And that will be... Nope. Um, okay. Uh, he, he's wearing a blue bathing suit. Look for blue bathing suit, blue bathing suit. Uh, nope. Um, yeah, he's got to be here. Maybe he's in one of the slides. Nope. Um, so what I did was I ran up the stairs to the sidewalk so I could like look over the pool. I thought maybe I'd see him behind something. And so I'm like looking over the pool, light brown hair, blue bathing suit, one of the slides. Uh, man, like my heart started racing, my head is pounding, my throat clenched up, and I'm, I'm like looking up and down the sidewalk. There's tons of people, but not, he's not one of them. And I, I start thinking, like, I want to die. Like, if I'm, if I'm never going to see my kid again, if I'm never going to hold my kid again, I just I want to die. And um, I looked down again, I looked up, and I saw way up the sidewalk, this little kid looked like he was like running between people's legs, and I could not tell if it was light brown hair or blue bathing suit, or if it was him, and this is probably embarrassing, but I just started yelling his name in case it was him. I was like, Dawson, Dawson, 
Dawson! And finally, this little kid way up here hears me, and he jumps up, and he looks, and I could see that it was him, and he saw me, and he starts running to me, and I'm running to him. If you want a picture, I think it's probably quite romantic, really. He's like, <laughs> and I'm like, and so finally, we get to each other, and he jumps in my arms, and he is crying. And I said, Dawson, what happened? Where were you? What happened? And he said, you said the mom was in the mushrooms, and so I went to the first pool to get her. She's not in the first pool. I can't find her anywhere. And I was like, oh, no, buddy. I'm sorry. She's in, in this pool. And then I held him, and I held him, and I held him, and I realized in that moment that I understood what it's like to be God. The, those, those thoughts I had, those feelings, thinking, what if I never see my son again? What if I never hold my, my kid again? Those are the thoughts and feelings that God has every day about all of his lost kids. It's the way that God felt about me sitting in that dorm room. It's the way he feels about you. It's the way he feels about your friends who don't know him. I think of Jeremiah chapter 4, uh, where God says, we'll put it on the screen, God says, Oh, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart, my heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent. You read that, you're like, whoa. Like, God doesn't normally talk like that. Like, that's weird coming from God, right? And, and, and so, like, what's he talking about? He says, he says, my people are fools, they do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. And then God says, uh, he offers an invitation. He says, if you'll return, O Israel, return to me. And I, man, I just couldn't understand it. Because like, I'm a wretch. I am sinful. I, I am a mess. But God loved me, and, and he pursued me, and he invited me to return to him. And I said yes. In that dorm room, I said yes. And listen, I don't know you, but I suspect that you're a wretch. Now, um, I mean, you, you may drive a nice car, and you probably live in a nice home, and you probably have a well-manicured yard, but what you don't show anyone is that you are a sinful mess, just like me. You are. And God loves you more than you dare to imagine or, or hope. And he has pursued you, and he's invited you to return to him. And man, when, when you learn, when you discover that God loves you like that, and has invited you, you say yes as fast as you can. That, that's what I did. You, you, you say yes, and then what do you do? You share it. Right? You share God's love. You share Jesus. Like you, you, you have to. And it's what Jesus told us to do. Right? He, he said, uh, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And, and what an amazing honor that is for us. That we get to share Jesus with people. That's crazy. Right? Jesus literally gave us his mission. He, he said in John chapter 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. Jesus was sent to pursue God's senseless children who had wandered off, and now we are sent to pursue God's senseless children who have wandered off. So, who are you pursuing? <laughs> 
who are you pursuing? Because listen, your, uh, your coworker, she's just your coworker, right? She's the person you work with. But when God looks at her, blue bathing suit, light brown hair, maybe she's in one of these slides. And, and, and the guy who lives next door to you, he's just your neighbor. He's the guy who lives next door. But man, when God looks at him, his heart starts racing and his head is pounding and his throat clenches up. And when God thinks about your relative who's not a Christian, oh, my anguish, my anguish. So who are you pursuing? Jesus has given us his mission. We are sent and we need to go. Can I give you a suggestion? Uh, In your pursuit of this person, when, when you're thinking about this person that you want to share Jesus with, then my suggestion is lead with love. Lead with love. And the, the reason we want to share Jesus with people is because uh, we, we know that we are loved and we want to share that love. But as we do it, we need to lead with love. And what I mean by that is don't lead with truth. Don't lead with truth. Meaning, don't start out by pointing out, uh, you know, what's wrong with this person's life and what's wrong with their thinking. And lead with love which is what Jesus did. Uh, Whenever he met someone who was stuck in sin, he led with love. If if you study the life of Jesus, maybe the most remarkable thing about him is that he was the one sinless person who ever walked the face of the planet, yet everywhere he went, the most sinful people were attracted to him like a magnet. we, We see prostitutes pouring perfume on his feet and and Jesus would go to a party and all the sinners would gather around and and one day he hung out with this woman who was bouncing from man to man to man from bed to bed to bed why like why did all the sinful people want to be around sinless Jesus I think it's because Jesus never made anyone feel worse about themselves right no one wants to be around someone who makes them feel worse Jesus didn't make people feel worse. He made them feel loved. Jesus knew a secret that uh, it seems to me Christians have lost. It's love that turns a life around. The the way to, to change a person's life is not by judging them, but by embracing them. Not by pointing out their sins, but by pointing to the one who loves them despite their sins. The the, the reality is people need truth and people need love, but we should follow Jesus' example and lead with love because it's love that builds a relationship. It's it's love that opens a person's ears to what you have to say. It's love that opens their heart to the message. And it's love that leads people to repentance, to to change their lives, uh, which is what the Bible teaches consistently. One example is Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's like, yeah, we know that. It's, It's by grace we're saved. But then it says it. What's it? Still same subject. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So it says it's the offer of God's grace, not the threat of his wrath, not shame, not guilt, that leads people to salvation and to repentance. Same thing in Romans chapter 2. If you read that, it says it's God's kindness that is designed to lead us to repentance. 
That's why Jesus always led with love. And, and so don't be afraid to tell the truth, right? We, we want to share the truth, but lead with love. And, and here's what happens. You'll, you'll find, just, just like Mike has with his Uber driver, if you lead with love, it will give you the opportunity to share, to talk about God's love. Uh, one time I was at uh, Burger King with my Bible, don't judge me. <laughs> That's such a lame way to start a story, isn't it? I was sitting at Burger King all by myself with my Bible, because that's where I read my Bible. Anyway, I was sitting there reading my Bible at Burger King, and this guy walked up. It was um, very obvious from his appearance that he was extremely poor, probably homeless, but it was very odd. Like, my booth was like this, and there was lots of people in Burger King. I wasn't the only one, but he walked up, and he started pacing in front of my booth. Like he would not break the parameters of my booth, like right next to me. And so he just kept doing this. And so being a pastor and a godly person and being somebody who's reading my Bible, I did my best to ignore him. Uh, I just, I was like, I'm not looking up. Like, this is weird. And so, but he, he wouldn't stop. He just kept going. So finally, I was like, I have to say something. And so I was like, hey, um, oh, oh, can I help you? Do, do you need something? And so he started talking. Um, he was from India, and he spoke very broken English. So I, I got some of it, and I didn't get some of it. Um, but um, I'm trying. And then finally, he was getting frustrated because I didn't understand everything. He, he takes out this piece of paper, and he hands me a piece of paper. And I look at it, and it's a job application for Burger King. So I said, oh. I said, are you, is, that, is that what you're saying? You want to work here? And he said, yes, yes, really loud. I was like, OK. Um, I said, do you need help filling out the application? And he said, yes, yes. And I said, I, I could help you. Do you want me to help you? And he said, yes. I said, okay. And so he sat down. We proceeded to fill out his job application, which is easy, right? No, it's not. Turns out it's not. Like, I couldn't understand. I'm like, work experience. Where did you work? From what year to what year? It was just, uh, I mean, address. He didn't have an address. I'm like, should we make one up? I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, so finally we get through the job application and he was so thankful. He was like, thank you. Thank you. And I'm like, you're welcome. And so uh, he walks off and I was like, oh, all right, that was cool. I got to do that. But uh, all right, I'm going to read my Bible, Pick, open up my Bible again. And I, I don't know, two minutes later, he comes back and he starts doing this again in front of my booth. And I'm like, really? And so I'm like, I don't feel like I can ignore him anymore. Like, we just spent an hour together. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I said, hey, I, I, are you hungry? Like, have you eaten today? Do you need maybe some money for some food? And he said, yes, yes. And I, I said, okay, okay, I can help you. And so I got out my wallet, and I handed him a few dollars. And he, um, he appreciated it. He really really appreciated it. He grabbed my wrist when I handed him the money. This is a true story. He grabbed, he reached out and grabbed my other wrist and he proceeded to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, as he took my hands and rubbed them all over his body. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, you're welcome, you're, wel you're welcome, you're welcome. I was like, hands, touching hands. <laughs> Get your hands off of me. It was so weird. And so he says, thank you. And he, he runs off. And I was like, "Woo! that really happened. Like that just happened. All right. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I can recover, but I'm going to try to recover. Okay. 
Okay, so I open my Bible back up and I start reading again. And man, I don't know, four minutes later, he comes walking up with his tray and he sits down at my booth with me. And I was like, hey. And <laughs> close my Bible, push it aside. And I was like, Vince, come on, be nice. Like, he's probably lonely. He doesn't know anybody. And so I just started asking him a million questions. I was like, tell me your name again. And where, where, where in India are you from? How did you get to America? Do you have family here? Do you have family back there? Like just all these questions. And he tries to answer them. And then finally he starts asking me questions. He says, you know, what's your name? And, and then he asks, what's this? And he points at my Bible. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I said, this is a Bible and I said, God gave us the Bible so we can know him because he wants us to know him. And God sent Jesus. So we, and he went, oh, Jesus? And I said, yeah. And he went, oh, Jesus. And I said, yeah. And he went, and he like lit up and he gets out his wallet and he flips through and he shows me that he has a picture in his wallet of Jesus. Not an actual picture. You guys... <laughs> You get it, right? You're with me? We're good? Okay. And so, and I'm like, so I'm thinking, oh, he must be a Christian because he's so excited about this picture of Jesus. But then he flips through and he shows me every one of his pictures. And he's equally excited about all of them. Like he has a picture of a goat and he's like, goat, goat. And picture, yeah, B. Arthur in there. I don't even know if you know who that is. If you, if you don't know, it doesn't. It's just like this bizarre newspaper cutouts and I, just was weird stuff. And so... Um, I, so uh, he, he finally gets done showing me all the pictures and um, he says to me, he gets really serious and he says, uh, do you know uh, what uh, name of God is? And I said, yes, I do. That's exactly what I was starting to tell you. God's name is Jesus. God wants us to know him and he came and his name is Jesus. And he said, no. And I said, no. And he said, no. God's name is 21. And I said, okay. And he said, do you understand? And I said, mm-hmm. You think God's name is 21? And he said, no, no, no. He's like really loud. Like everybody's looking at us. I'm like, I don't know him. Um, so he said, he's like struggling. He said, mm, name of God, 21. Do you understand? And I said, yes. You think God's name is 21. And he said, no, no. Mm, God name 21. And I'm like, you think God's name is 21? And, and he's like, no. And I was like, try to explain it. And so he tries to explain it. I, I'm pretty sure that what he was saying was that he believes there are 21 different world religions and that people call God by 21 different names in these 21 religions, but that we are all actually worshiping the same God, I think. And so I said, okay. I said, I think I understand what you believe. And I, I, I understand. I honor that. I said, that's not what I believe. I believe that there is one God, and he loves us, and he sent Jesus so we can know him. And God's name is Jesus. And he said, no. And I said, I get, I know, I know you don't believe that. And he said, um, do you know who God is today? And I said, yes, 21. And he said, no. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, I can't win with you. I said 21 just for you. And he said, no, no. I said, I said, who is God today? And he said, who is God? God love us. 
God cares for us. God, feed us. Today, you love me. You care for me. You feed me. Today, you are God to me. You know, in, in one sense, he was theologically wrong. I am not God. You can ask my wife. <laughs> but in another sense, he was kind of right because God has asked us to represent him to the world, right? To, to show his love to the people he loves. And if we lead with love, man, just like happened with you at Uber and with your Uber driver and what happened to me and Burger King, it will give you the opportunity eventually, if you look for those opportunities, to, to share God's love. And I'll tell you this, like, I think we all would not, we're going to nod our heads if you're a Christian here today. Um, but I, man, I, th I think we, we lose this. We, we just have no idea how powerful it is to hear that God loves you. If you, don't, if you don't know that, if you're not sure of that, you have no idea how powerful it is to hear that God loves you. It, just, it will turn a person's life upside down. Turn my life upside down. So you remember Travis the pimp? Um, he is the first person who I led to Christ in Las Vegas, which is crazy. If you had said, do you think you'll ever lead a pimp to faith? I would have said, no, I do not. I can't, cannot imagine that. But it was literally the first person I led to faith. First person I baptized in Las Vegas. Um, I shared the story of the prodigal son, and he really listened. He really heard it, and it wrecked him. He, he was uh, literally, this tough pimp was weeping, and he said, I didn't know I could be loved like that. I just didn't know I could be loved like that. Uh, that was uh, 14, a little over 14 years ago. About six years ago, Travis was ordained as a pastor, in the first service, by mistake, I said Travis was ordained as a pimp, and that was weird. <laughs> it just like, I just, um, I said as a pimp, everyone kind of looked at me like, are you sure? <laughs> I don't think they're ordained, but that's what came out the first service. Uh, six years ago, he was ordained as a pastor, and last November, a year ago now, he moved to Denver to start a church. He went from pimp to pastor to church planner. Do you remember... Um, you remember Warren, the angry atheist? Uh, well, the, the sermon, remember he came to wreck the sermon. And so the sermon that day was, where I, I was preaching on Ephesians chapter 2. It was about how we're dead in our sins, um, but, but we can be made alive in Christ. Uh, Warren got so caught up in the teaching that he forgot to interrupt it. So he later told me, he said, the, the service ended. We said, we'll see you next week. And he went, ah, I forgot to do my thing. And so he came back the next week to, to do his thing and, and didn't wreck that service. And he just kept coming back every week. And then he started coming to all three of our identical services, through all three of them. And um, I got to know him by then. And so I said, hey, Warren, you do realize they're all the same, right? Like when you sit through, you're, you're realizing it's the same thing, right? And he said, I quote word for word. He said, yeah, man, I know, but... Um, I just can't get enough of Jesus. And then a few months later, he said yes to following Jesus. And uh, when Warren got baptized, we always hand people a microphone and ask them to share what they're, why they're doing this today. And Warren took the microphone. And he looked out at everybody and went, I have something to confess. I didn't come here for this. And he points at the water. He said, I came here because I hated every one of you and I knew I was stronger than you and that I could destroy you. 
And I'm sitting over here going, why did I give him a microphone? <laughs> what am I thinking? And he said, he said, but something has happened to me here, and I can't explain it, but I've learned that God loves me, and I just want more of it. And he, he literally starts weeping. Uh, we have no idea how powerful it is to hear that God loves you. And man, we've had hundreds of stories like that just through sharing God's love, like, like Travis's and Warren's stories. But, but what I want is for you to have those kind of stories. And I don't mean you as a church. I know that you as a church have those kind of stories. And, and when you give here and volunteer, you're a part of those stories. That's awesome. But I mean, I want you to have those kind of stories. And it may not be an angry atheist or a pimp. It might be your coworker, your neighbor, the barista at your coffee shop, your classmate. Who are you pursuing? Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Are you living your life on mission? Do you have God's heart for his children who have wandered away from him? He says, oh, my anguish, my anguish. So let's, let's pray together for that. Let's pray for God's heart, and let's remember to lead with love. God, thank you for um, this church. Thanks for what it's meant in my life, and thanks for all the lives that have been changed here. God, thank you for sending Jesus for us. Thank you that he came to pursue us, and what an honor it is that you ask us to pursue others for him. God, would you help us to live that out? Help us to have your heart for people. God, help us to always lead with love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.